Hello, at kumusta na mga kababayan? Matagal-tagal na rin tayong hindi nag-usap. Welcome po sa ikabente sa is na kabanata ng Usapang Pinoy, a Georgia Asian Times podcast. Maraming salamat po sa pagtuloy ninyong pagtangkilik sa Usapang Pinoy. At kung hindi pa ninyo nagagawa, kailangan po ninyong mag-sign up na sa subscription at usapangpinoyga at gmail.com. Kailangan lang po namin ng inyong last name, first name at email address. Ngayon po ay pag-uusapan natin ng isang napaka-importanting topic, ang inyong social security benefits. Dahil po kahit saan ako pumunta sa oras na malaman ng kausap ko na ako ay nagtatrabaho sa social security, tuloy-tuloy na po ang mga tanong. So I invited po ang aming public affairs specialist sa aming Georgia Area Director's Office para ipaliwanag sa atin ang mga bagay-bagay na matagal na ninyong gustong tanungin. Um, siya po ay isang expert kaya uh, inimbito ko po siya. Pero bago ko po siya tawagin, narito muna ang ating mga importanteng anunsyo. Sa July 11th po from 6pm, ang uh, Philippine American Chamber of Commerce toast. Ito po yung happy hour natin. It's a monthly networking. So please visit pacga.org for the Zoom link. Ang ID number po ay 924-8992-4340 at ang passcode po is toast. It's T-O-A-S-T. Sa June 12, July 12 po naman from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., Uh, isang webinar which is entitled Starting a Business uh, Starting a Business brought to you by the University of Georgia Small Business Development Center and you can contact Mr. Benny Santa Romana at 678-985-6825 for details. On July 18th naman po, PACGA, Philippine American Chamber of Commerce of Georgia presents its monthly members seminar on Advancing Greater Public Good Through Project Management by Arjo Turner. Please register at pacg.org slash events. Ang passcode po nun ay seminar. And finally, on July 28th, um, the Coalition of Filipino-American Chambers of Commerce is co-hosting with PACGA the National Virtual Summer Luau Mega Mixer. Sponsorship opportunities for businesses are available, so please reach out to PACGA Board of Directors for more information. So ako po ay magbabalik sa mandali upang ihandog sa inyo ang ating guest podcaster. Welcome back mga tagapakinig. Ngayon po, I am so excited to welcome to Usapang Pinoy ang aking pong co-worker na si Alicia Lipscomb who is the Public Affairs Specialist in our Georgia Area Director's Office of the Social Security Administration in the Atlanta region. So welcome, Alicia. Thank you, Jane, and uh, looking forward to speaking with you today. Great, great. We have been looking forward to this for a long time because there's a lot of folks in the Filipino community who have a lot of questions. Like I was telling them at the introduction that every time I you know, go somewhere and when they find out I work for Social Security, there's going to be a long conversation <laughs> about questions. So <laughs> I thought, no, let's get the expert in here so you can tell them it's like from the horse's mouth. But anyway, first of all, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be with Usapang Pinoy. And um, we really, really are grateful because I know how busy you are at the uh, area director's office. So 
I'll go ahead and ask you some questions about the application for social security numbers. First of all, who is eligible to apply for social security numbers and how and where do they apply? Okay, great. Well, it's a very common question I received, Jane. So in order for a person to apply for a social security card, if they're born in the United States, um, when you go to the ho- when the baby's born in the hospital, the parent marks about issuing the social security number because they're a U.S. citizen. If you're a person entering the country as an immigrant, in order to be given a social security number, you must be given work authorization by the Department of Homeland Security because the social security number is actually tied to work. Um, by you having that number, it's used for the employer in order for them to take out the taxes. So work authorization is the key word when it comes to applying for a social security number. So if you've been authorized work been authorized by DHS uh, to be work authorized, there are some times when people enter the country, they have the option of selecting their social security number to be automatically processed once they enter the country. And it takes about, on average, they said about 60 to 90 days for the social security number to appear. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, individuals have to come visit an office um, and our offices, you can locate them on our website. If you go to www.ssa.gov forward slash locator, that's where you go to find your servicing office because it's based on your zip code determines it. And when you come to the office, if you've never applied for a social security number before, you have to do it in person if you're older than 12 years old. And when you visit the office, um, right now, um, due to our COVID-19 precautions, we are limiting the number of individuals in the lobby at one time. Our office hours are from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, excluding federal holidays. When you come to the office, um, you'll check in, and when you're seen by a representative, you'll need to present all original documents, such as your passport, any documentation you have from the Department of Homeland Security, and then we'll process the application. If everything verifies, your social security number would be issued on your card, and you'll get that in the mail in 10 to 14 days once everything is verified. That's great. Um, and that was very clear. Thank you. I have a question about that. Basing from my own personal experience, I came in as an immigrant. I got my green card. Mm-hmm. I got my work visa, I mean my work social security number, but I was not aware. Um, this was I found out about it this years later after I became a U.S. citizen, that you have to go back to social security number to update your social security card. I, I think there was a code that they have to put in there to indicate that you are now a U.S. citizen. Can you um, shed light to that? Yes, definitely, Jay. My mother went through the same process, too. She was also an immigrant who became a U.S. citizen. Yes, a lot of people assume once um, they become a U.S. citizen, Department of Homeland Security automatically notifies Social Security. Right. That is incorrect. Once you're issued your naturalization certificate, we encourage individuals to visit their local office, um, go through the same steps they said, go on to ssa.gov forward slash locator. Just come in with your naturalization certificate and your driver's license. We just need to see the information just to update to show that you're a citizen. There'll be no change to your social security number at all. It will remain the same. Also, some people, they like, my mother, for example, keeps her naturalization certificate in a very, very safe spot. 
So you can also, if you have a U.S. passport, we can use that also to verify that you're a U.S. citizen if you do not want to take your naturalization certificate out. So those are the options there. It's really important to do that once you become a citizen because when you go renew your driver's license, they do a data match against Social Security's records. So you need to make sure your information is updated with us. And also in the future, when you file for retirement benefits, or if you have to file for disability benefits or survivor benefits, we have the correct information on your record at that time when you contact us. Because those are some of the eligibility requirements we need in order to take an application for you. That's right. Yeah. See, <clears throat> I don't know how I found out, but uh, I had to go back. I was already um, an employee of Social Security when I found <laughs> out. I had to go to one of our field offices and fall in line and had to, you know, um, to update that. And th that's a very good information. And I'm sure a lot of our Filipino folks would appreciate that. Um, regarding Social Security numbers, again, are um, for those who are not aware, can you clarify the difference between the SSN and the ITIN? Yeah, that's a very, very common question we get um, within communities. Remember, the Social Security number has been issued to an individual who is work authorized or a U.S. citizen or a refugee or an asylee, depending on the Department of Homeland Security. The ITN is used for tax purposes, for Internal Revenue Service or IRS to use when a person files a tax return. Because you could be an individual who has a business in the United States and uh, and don't doesn't have the qualifications in order to get a Social Security number. So that's why the ITN is only for tax purposes, mm -hmm. whereas the Social Security number is something you use for work to pay the taxes. So in the future, if you're eligible for benefits, you can receive them. Great. Great, great. Thank you. So uh, we can switch gears now and uh, start talking about retirement benefits because um, a lot of folks are, are confused about what kind of benef the benefits they are entitled to. So um, one of the questions we normally receive is when are you eligible to start to receive your retirement benefits? Any individual who is uh, a U.S. citizen or a legally minute permanent resident if they have worked and paid Social Security taxes, that's why it's very, very important to make sure that you create an online account at ssa.gov forward slash my account, because that is where you can get your Social Security statement, where you can learn whether you do qualify or do not. So we always encourage everybody to do that first. The earliest age for anybody to start to receive a Social Security retirement benefit is at age 62 or older. And individuals to meet that age requirement must also meet a work requirement. It means they've worked and paid Social Security taxes through their employer, or if they were self-employed, they paid the Social Security taxes to earn what are called credits. And those credits basically say that you've worked enough to qualify to receive something. Your contributions equate to a benefit down the line. You need 40 credits, that's what you commonly hear a lot, or 10 years of work. You earn up to four credits a year. So this year in 2022, to earn your four credits, it doesn't matter when you earned it, it's just how much you've earned. If you've earned more than $6,140 gross that has been taxed by Social Security, you basically earned your four credits. So that's why four times 10 equals 40. So that's why you hear a lot of people say, hey, I've worked for 10 years, so I'm going to get something. And that is true. Mm -hmm. The key part we want to emphasize, though, is to go create an online account, which is known as a My Social Security account, 
So you can do your social security statement so you get those benefit estimates and to see if you have enough credits to receive something. If numbers are there, you qualify. If no number estimates are provided, that means you don't qualify, and it'll tell you how many credits left you need in order to receive a benefit in the future. Great. So how does Social Security calculate the monthly benefits of individuals who would uh, apply? Well, uh, one thing we always emphasize, this is always a great question, is that everybody's situation is different. And the reason why it's different is we've used the same formula since 1935, basically, is that we look at your highest 35 years of work. So your top 35 years of work determine your monthly benefit. So if an individual has higher earnings over their lifetime and work consistently over those 35 years of work, they basically equate to a higher benefit. So that's why everybody's benefit differs. We also take into consideration inflation. That's a very common word we're hearing right now in the news. So we want to make sure that your benefits now, when we go into the future, if you're going to see them, will reflect the future costs. So that's why you hear that cost of living adjustment or COLA um, commonly talked about in October and November because we're trying to make sure the benefits in the future will reflect the future costs. So basically, remember, it's your top 35 years of work. Determine your monthly benefit. The more you've worked consistently over those 35 years and the more you've earned it does equal a larger Social Security benefit. Great, great. Thank you. So a lot of people, uh, when I was in the field office, they would come in and say, oh, okay, well, I have to report that I returned to work or I'm working right now. How is that going to affect my um, retirement benefits? So can people work while they're receiving right retirement benefits? Yeah, that's a really common question we get a lot. Um, so every year, Social Security comes out with a number, and it's called our yearly earnings work test. Some people call it the, the earnings test. Well, it's a number we come out every year saying if you are receiving a Social Security benefit right now and you're under your full retirement age, and your full retirement age is actually dependent on what year that you're born. So we encourage you to visit our website at ssa.gov, go to a retirement page, and there's the full retirement age chart there. For example, if you're born between 1943 and 1954, your full retirement age is age 66. If we go to 57, it's 66 in two months. So it goes up every two months until you hit 1960. After 1960, everybody's full retirement age is age 67. So if you go back to work and you're currently receiving benefits and you're under your full retirement age, we have a number we come out with every year. This year, it's $19,160 this year. That's for growth. Per, per year, per year. Per year, yeah, okay. per year. If you earn over that limit, we're going to start holding back money from your benefits. The key part to remember is that, A, you must be receiving a benefit from Social Security. B, you are working a job where you get a W-2 or net earnings from self-employment. That's the only income we count with this formula and that you're earning over the limit for the year. We have a calculator on our website. Go to ssa.gov, our calculators page, and you can run those numbers, especially if you're thinking about filing before your full retirement age and maybe continuing to work. So you've got the right information there for you. But remember, if you're older than your full retirement age and you're continuing to work or return back to work, it does not affect your benefits at all. That's the most important thing people want to know. When is it not going to affect me? Full retirement age, 
and older will not bother you at all. Okay, that's good to know. Um, last question about the retirement benefits. Can um, beneficiaries live outside the United States and still receive their benefits? Yes, that, that's a very, another common question we get for people planning for retirement. The answer is yes. Um, you can receive your benefits. Um, you can live outside the United States and receive your benefits. We encourage you, if you do just choose to reside outside the United States, to please update your mailing address with Social Security. Um, you can contact um, your consulate or embassy um, to do that. So you can let us know a proper mailing address so we can communicate with you. But yes, um, the only there are some countries we do not send benefits to due to U.S. Treasury Department sanctions. The majority of countries you can reside, for example, the Philippines, and there's no problem with you receiving Social Security benefits abroad. That's great. And, you know, reason why people are asking that is because of the uh, purchasing power of uh, the dollar in the Philippines. It's times uh -huh. 54. So if uh, you have $1,000 here, right now the exchange rate is 54. So that's 54,000 pesos. So you can yeah. actually have a maid and a driver over there. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, and yes. that's the same thing a lot of people are looking at. Um, I've been lately doing some retirement seminars. A lot of people are looking at Panama, mm -hmm. Colombia, Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. People brought the Philippines, Thailand, and Vietnam as other places. Right, right, exactly. So um, before we run out of time, let's go ahead and switch gears and talk about disability benefits because this is a lot of confusion for a lot of our folks. Mm -hmm. uh, the difference between the Social Security Disability Insurance Benefits and the Supplemental Security Income. So I'll go ahead and let okay. you uh, explain that to them. Yeah, yeah that's, it's easy to get it confused because they both are disability programs. However, mm -hmm. what you qualify for and how you qualify for the programs differ. So with Social Security Disability, you must have been an individual who worked and paid Social Security taxes on your earnings. You must have a recent work history. So that means you must have worked five out of the past 10 years in order to file an application to ask to be determined to be disabled. The one way I explain it is we're an, we're an insurance program. So think of your taxes as insurance premiums. You have to maintain your coverage by paying the, the taxes through your work. If you have not worked, Five out of the past 10 years paying Social Security taxes, it basically means your insurance policy has lapsed. So we're not covering you anymore for an insurance decision. So that's why it's really important um, to make sure you're paying taxes on your Social Security, um, I mean, on your earnings, especially if you're self-employed. We see this a lot with people who are self-employed. Or they're given a 1099 and they do not file a self-employment tax return. That's so right. you must have a recent work history, five out of the past 10 years, in order to file for Social Security Disability. With that program, we're not concerned about your income and resources. We want to look at the fact you pay the taxes, your policy is up to date, so you're allowed to file the claim. So with Social Security Disability, totally different arena. With Supplemental Security Income, which is known as SSI, but I always encourage people to say the full name of the program, not the acronym. People get confused about it. That actually comes from regular federal taxes. It does not come from Social Security taxes. Because it comes from regular federal taxes, there are income and resource limits that a person must be under before they're able to file an application for these benefits. So you have to meet those requirements first. But no matter what, both of those programs, Social Security Disability and Supplemental Security Income, you must be found disabled in order to receive that benefit. With Supplemental Security Income, we do have uh, a different 
part of that program, which is known as Supplemental Security Income Age Benefits. If a person is age 65 and older and a U.S. citizen and you meet the income and resource requirements, you do not have to go through a disability decision because you're considered an aged individual. And that's one area we get a lot of questions about when we go out and speak to the community, especially if they have an older loved one who's been residing with them for a long while and hasn't worked um, in many years. So that's one question we do get or work very little uh, once they came to the United States but are now citizens. So that's one area I do want to um, highlight there when it becomes social security disability or supplemental security income. That's right. Yeah. Thank you so much for pointing that out because that that is so true. People are still confused about, um, well, I get questions like my mother is this age and we want to apply for disability. She's disabled. So uh, that's a good point. So um, <coughs> we can go, if you can quickly um, let our listeners know about survivor and auxiliary benefits. Um, sure. Yes. Um, so what Jane is discussing, survivor benefits, means that you have a worker, as long as they have the 40 credits or 10 years of work, they unfortunately pass away. So individuals who are eligible for potential benefit as a dependent from us at Social Security are biological or adopted children under the age of 18, up to 19 and two months in high school, as long as the person paid the taxes, they were to pass away as long as they meet those requirements and they're the biological or adoptive parent. They're able to file a claim to receive benefits as a survivor. Those benefits will stop once they graduate high school or turn age 18, whichever happens later. Also, as a widow or widower, if you were married to the person when they passed away, you have to be married to them for more than nine consecutive months and you are currently unmarried, you could potentially file as a survivor age 60 and older. And there's certain other rules with that. So we encourage you to visit our website um, at socialsecurity.gov and go to our survivors page, which has a great survivor planner you can walk through to help you figure out what you could be eligible for or even if you qualify to file as a survivor. Okay. I, I want to clarify something <clears throat> because I – I'm confused now. You said nine months prior to the death of the uh, number mm -hmm. holder? Yeah, you had to be legally married to the person for nine consecutive months. Okay, what happened to, to, the ten, eligible? To, be, to the 10 years? Um, oh, the 10-year rule only applies if you're divorced from the individual. Okay, okay. You, ha you should have been married for 10 years before the divorce. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. Um, also, there's an, a question that I always get from the, the public, as in um, the the widow. If you're mm -hmm. age 60 or 62, when can you file? And also, kind of explain to them about the double dipping. They they seem to um, expect that if they uh -huh. are drawing benefits from their deceased spouse, and then when they get to the point that they want to file for their own benefits from their own record. Um, they expect to get both. And I'm, I'm constantly explaining to people that you mm -hmm. cannot double dip. Right, right. And that's, um, that's a really, really good point there. So um, going back um, to, uh, let's give a, an example here. Let's say I'm married to my spouse. My spouse passes away. The earliest age anybody can follow as a survivor is age 60 and older when you're falling off as a widow or widower. For retirement benefits, your earliest age is 62. 
Remember earlier we talked in the conversation about the work rules and the numbers mm -hmm. that also applies to widows and widowers. And that's why a lot of time people at 60 are still working. And because they're earning so much, they don't qualify for a benefit, just to let you know. So we do hear that a lot. So remember, we have living benefits and death benefits. So you have to separate the two mm -hmm. when thinking about that. Now, going back to uh, Jane's um, question she posed about the double dipping, we as Social Security only pay whatever is the higher benefit amount. You don't get to sit there and um, say, I'm going to get both benefits. So I like to use this example a lot. We have Ricky and Lucy. Ricky's receiving $1,200 a month. Lucy is receiving $1,000 a month. So they're getting their own benefits individually through their own work history. Ricky passes away. Remember, we only pay whatever is the higher benefit amount. So Lucy will still keep her $1,000 she earned through her, work, her contributions. We're going to start paying her an extra $200 to equal Ricky's benefit amount. So she'll just start receiving $1,200 a month total when it comes to her monthly benefit amount. You don't get to get both benefits. We just pay whatever is the higher benefit amount. If we did the opposite, where Lucy passed away first, remember Lucy's benefit is less than Ricky's, right? Hers yes. is $1,000, his is $1,200. So when she passes away, since Ricky's benefit is bigger than Lucy's, there's nothing additional to be paid to Ricky for the rest of his life. He'll just get what is called the lump sum death payment which is the $255 we pay to the, um, the survivor of a deceased individual to pay for funeral expenses, and that will be it. And Ricky will keep on getting his $1,200 a month. That's great. Thank you so much for clarifying that because there's a lot of confusion about that in the uh, Filipino community. So my last question before I let you go is, can you quickly tell us about Medicare? Because people are confused as to when to file it, where to file it, and what do you get? Right. And the, the health insurance piece I find is actually more overwhelming than the money piece for a lot of individuals. Right. There's a lot of people have been working somewhere for so long and they're switching insurance and they're just not sure what to do. Where Medicare is health insurance for individuals age 65 and older. That's when you can start your Medicare is at age 65 or older or have been receiving Social Security disability benefits for 24 months, have been diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, also known as ALS or you're undergoing dialysis or received a kidney transplant. The key part for most retirees for Medicare is age 65 and older. If you decide to start your Social Security retirement benefits before the age of 65, what happens if you're already getting your money, about three to four months before you turn 65, Medicare, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, will mail you um, your Medicare new booklet, and they'll also mail you your Medicare card. Social Security will send you a letter about a month or two before you turn 65 saying, hey, your Medicare is going to begin the month you turn 65, or we're going to start taking out X amount a month to pay for your Medicare Part B premium. So it's done automatically if you start your money before age 65. If you're wanting to start your money after the age of 65, there's special rules with that depending on your circumstances. So um, it's really in-depth, and it could take up a lot of time. So I encourage you to go back to our website. Go to our Medicare um, and enrollment page because we at Social Security handle Medicare enrollment, not Medicare. Mm -hmm. And all we do is handle Medicare A and B. Some of you may have heard the term Medicare Advantage plan, Medicare supplemental plans. Those are private plans a person chooses to enroll in to cover extra costs that what A and B, which is known as original Medicare, don't cover. 
But I do encourage you for any resources to help you understand Medicare, what it does or does not cover, there is a group in the state of Georgia. They're called Georgia SHIP, Georgia S-H-I-P. They're under the Division of Aging Services. They used to be called Georgia Cares. They're available to offer free Medicare counseling to help you understand Medicare coverage and its cost. You just type in Georgia SHIP on um, at Medicare.gov. It'll pull you the contact information. They offer free objective counseling to help you understand your options when you're getting ready to enroll into Medicare and also especially when you're about to select a Medicare Part C plan. This is so great, Alicia. This is so, so uh, very helpful. So um, I need to let you go. Um, and if there are any questions from this session, we will probably invite you again, if you don't mind. Um, oh, definitely. Because th there's a lot of questions in, in the Philippine community about these benefits. But I really want to thank you for... for um, guesting in this podcast and uh please share this when you um when when we have released it if you can share it to everybody that um can benefit from this uh information again thank you so much and i'll see you around in the office when we go back in person yeah definitely well it was my pleasure and i'm looking forward to coming back in the future have Th a great day jane thank you so much thank you you're welcome bye-bye Welcome back mga kababayan. Ako po ay nagpapasalamat dahil sa wakas na pag-usapan na rin natin ang social security dito sa Usapang Pinoy. This is very important and it is essential that you know what benefits you're entitled to and to understand the process. Kaya nagpapasalamat po ako sa aking co-worker na si um, Alicia Lipscomb who was gracious enough to guest in our episode today. Ngayon po naman, I'm going to switch gears and talk about some of the Filipino legends and superstitions. Um, first of all, I want to talk about the legend of the pandan leaves. You know yung pandan leaves nila nilalagay sa banga pag na nagluluto ka ng kanin, rice? So it was said that the fragrant pandan leaves were the spirit of a very beautiful bride. This bride wanted to please her husband. So she asked help from all the good cooks in the barrio for the best recipes they know. She learned how to cook adobo and relleno, but she did not know how to cook rice. The rice she cooked was either burnt or pasty, and this made her husband very angry. The poor bride could do nothing but cry. So the anito, if you know what anito means, yung mga ani-anito natin, of her great-grandmother took pity on her. One day, her spirit came to, the vi to visit. The young wife invited her to eat. And the Anita said, but I want my rice properly cooked. The old woman said. So the young bride burst into tears, and she said, I don't know how to cook rice. Please help me. So the <coughs> old woman said, get some of those leaves, pointing to a plant in the yard. But those are pandan leaves, said the young bride. But the old woman said, do what I tell you. Now go and get those leaves. So the young woman did so, washed the rice, learned the right proportion of rice and water, and soon there was a fragrant smell. The husband noticed it, and the wife was happy. But then when she returned to invite the old woman to eat, the old woman was gone. On the wall of the kitchen, the young wife saw a written message in charcoal that said, 
teach this little trick of using pandan leaves to the other young wives. So ngayon po, today, we use pandan leaves in preparing um, puto, malagkit, and rice. So yun po ang kwento ng pandan leaves. So, before I go, I'll go I'm going to give you a couple of superstitions. Um, number one, ito nakakatawa. Kung nalaman mong baliktad pala ang iyong salawal, huwag mong babaliktarin upang magkaroon ka ng magandang kapalaran sa araw na yun. Kung binaliktad mo, mamalasin ka. So in English, uh, while you go through your day and then you find out that you wore your underwear backwards, they say that do not change it because um, you should have got good luck that day. Because if you change it back to the right side, then you will have bad luck. So it's pretty silly, but that's the superstition. Then the second one is, wag kang matutulog na basa ang iyong buhok. Hihina ang iyong paningin o baka mabulag ka pa. So in English, do not go to sleep while your hair is wet because your eyesight will weaken or you might end up being getting blind. The last one, wag kang mamamalan siya kapag kaliligo mo lang at basa pa ang iyong buhok, magkakaroon ka ng sakit ng ulo. Do not do your ironing when your hair is still wet, when you just got out of the shower, because you will have a terrible headache. So yun po. And before I go, by the way, I have a lot of, of where those superstitions came from, so be sure to tune in again sa mga susunod na episodes. So um, before I go, I'm going to give you ang aking parting words. Conformity is doing what everyone else is doing regardless of what is right. Morality is doing what is right, regardless of what everyone else is doing. Magpapaalam na po ako. Tandaan, tandaan po ninyo mag-sign up sa usapangpinoyga at gmail.com. Hanggang sa muli, paalam muna sa ngayon. Iwat sa tolay ina ang